Before we get started with today's show, I wanted to tell you about another great podcast. ESPN and Anscape contributor Dominique Foxworth's podcast is every Tuesday and Thursday, bringing you his unique perspectives on football, the personalities that surround it, and just about anything else he finds interesting. So check out the Dominique Foxworth Show. Listen where you are listening to this podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to The Right Time. My name is Bomani Jones. Thanks for listening wherever you get this podcast. Rate us, review us, give us five stars. You only give us four stars. I'm inclined to believe you are a hater. Coming up on this episode of The Right Time, we're going to talk about that AFC Championship matchup, and we have got your voicemails by the time you saw somebody quit their job in the middle of a shift. But first... Oh, how about them Cowboys? Whew, boy, look, uh, you know, if you've been listening to this podcast this season, I've decided that I would like to get back into more of a traditional sports fan realm. And what I mean by that is I'd like to have a team to root for. But of course, I don't want to be miserable when that team loses because basically all the teams lose. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm, I'm absolutely trying to minimize my risk in this. I think it's all about an approach. I think it's all about the mindset going in there. But it's kind of like let me understand just what a scam sports fandom is. And, 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 and this is what I mean by that. I could jump in right now and just decide I root for the Chiefs. But that's not really fun. Like, like I feel like you're not really going to be happy if you come in late on the Chiefs thing about a championship because that's the expectation. Like, I spent a lot of time around uh, North Carolina and Duke basketball. There is a certain measure of happiness they have when they win, but there's also an expectation that comes along with it that makes the ride a little bit less than enjoyable. You know, like, like, like you know, you know that's, not, that's not what it is. So I've been trying to get out here and find these recovering bums, you know, uh, some fixer-uppers. Try to try to ride along with them as they experience the joy of improvement. And I have to say, for the most part this year, it worked out with my Detroit Lions, right? It was unfortunate that they did not make the playoffs, but I took a lot out of the fact that they had nothing to play for that last game of the season. And when I say the last game of the season, I mean the last game for everybody. It was literally the last game of the season for the entire league. And the Packers had something to play for. And my Lions kept coming. And they won that game, right? I feel like next year for me with my Lions could be a fun one. But I also started like dabbling in Cowboy. Like just a just just a little dabbling cowboy. And and look, I got my reasons for my cowboy dabbling, my tiny bit of cowboy dabbling. Okay. One, black people love the cowboys, right? It is they they are black America's team. They're America's team. Um, I believe it was 2016. I went to a Thanksgiving game at Jerry World and I saw all of America out there in the parking lot. Like, like, I don't know if y'all saw this story about um the Eagles and a Giants game where some Eagles fans found a, a tailgating hack because there was, a, I think, a lacrosse game earlier that day. And so they bought tickets to the lacrosse game so they could tailgate for the lacrosse game because you can only tailgate for four hours on your Eagles ticket. So they got tickets to the lacrosse game so they could tailgate for 12 hours. And I got to say, that sounds like 
the exact drunk people I don't want to be around. Like a whole slew of them. I wouldn't feel that way about going to a Cowboys game. So there's that. Number two, if you want a team that hadn't experienced no success in a while and you don't want to feel like you're just jumping on an easy pick, obviously, I mean, the Cowboys ain't won a championship since I was in the 11th grade. I got two master's degrees, and I got the last of those 18 years ago. Just, just giving you all the context, right? They got a little bit of a hard scrabble tail going for them, you know? And I thought that they could beat the 49ers. And the truth is, they could have beaten the 49ers. Because in the end, with Brock Purdy, there is a reason he went in the seventh round. Like, I think he's played well. I think Shanahan's done a good job with him. But there's a reason why he played in the seventh seventh round. And the expectation that they could win four playoff games without the reason that he went in the seventh round ever popping up. You're asking for a lot here, you know. Um, he might do like he might make it ride all the way out. Don't get me wrong. And if he does, kudos to him. I'm just playing was reasonable on this. Like I ain't throwing no shade. I ain't hating. I ain't treating him like Jimmy Garoppolo. Where I'm like, oh hell no, nah, you can't win with that dude, right? Hell of a compliment to you, Brock Purdy. When you really stop and think about it, because there's no reason I should think that they could be able to win with you in there. But anyway, Cowboys had a chance to win that game. He's had a couple things going for him. One, that whole kicker situation. Good for him. That he, uh, that he got, got it taken care of. I also want to make a note right fast on the kicker situation. Did y'all see that they showed before the game that the, Cow- I mean, the 49ers had dudes that was just all up in his space when he was trying to warm up? Trent Williams, big ass over there. Just like, oh, shut up, man. I'm just over here getting ready for the game or whatever it is. And I got to be honest with you, man. When football players do that amongst themselves, it's gamesmanship. When you do it to the kicker, it just feel like bullying. Like big old giant ass Trent Williams over there trying to make life hard on the kicker. Come on, man. That just that ain't feel right, dog. I understand the game's the game, but that didn't feel right. That that this felt like that felt like y'all should be better than that. That felt like there should have been some girls over there. Come on, leave him alone. Y'all know he don't mess with nobody. Right? Like that's that that's how that whole dynamic felt to me, uh, when it was going on. But the story out of that game, obviously, from everything I've seen, is Dak Prescott. And I'm going to tap a little bit more into the Prescott thing in the next block as I talk about the quarterbacks um, that are going to be in that game for the AFC. But this is what I feel confident saying about Prescott. After that game and other games that we've seen him play, is Dak Prescott a good quarterback? Yes. Do I think he is a very good quarterback? Yes. Do I think you can win a Super Bowl with him? I'm going to say yes again, but you could tell that that was leading to a but. Okay. But you ain't jumping on his back, right? You're not going to jump on Dak Prescott's back and say, we need you to win this one, buddy. That ain't going to happen. And I felt like the game against the 49ers was a game where they needed to jump on his back, okay? You can't play for any kicks. Like, I was amazed that McCarthy kept sending the kicker out there. And kind of kudos to him, because I really think with Maher, it was really just going to be a matter of making one. And then once one got made, everything was going to take care of itself, right? Like, he just needed to know that he could do it in a game. And, but they kept giving him chances to do it. 
Because I don't think I would have, like, to be perfectly honest, right? And I get it. You don't want to have to go get you a kicker off the street for the NFC Championship game before the division round or anything else. Like, you stop and think about that for a second. Brett Maher was, uh, Brett, I believe it's Brett. I may have been calling him Brett. I'm going to call him Brett, so you can't tell, right? So, Brett Maher, um, he had a good year from what I could tell, from what everybody was talking about, right? He had a good season, and a good season for kickers, you already think about that, dude. He had a good season. Them dudes that's at their cribs right now, you think they coming in all loosey-goosey? No pressure, kids. You need to get us to the Super Bowl. Nah, man, I get it. You want to stick out with the guy that you had, and then once you had him, you still had to maintain his confidence while he was out there, all that. But in the end, the Cowboys are in a situation where you couldn't trust no kick. Then you got a situation where Tony Pollard breaks his leg. So we've also got that, okay? And the thing about Pollard breaking his leg is you can't trust Zeke. Like, you get out there and watch Zeke, there, there's nothing sadder or a few things sadder in football than seeing a running back who ain't got it no more, but you remember what it looked like when he had it. Because every time he gets the ball, it'd be like, damn, why it take you so long to go to the other way? You know, like you can just see, like he just he just doesn't have it anymore he is like in a way that doesn't even make him like a second string running back what he is is a really good pass blocker like that that's kind of the point that we've gotten to with him so you weren't going to get anything out of him if they were going to get this done on offense they were going to jump on their quarterback's back and go and their quarterback tried to jump on cd lamb's back as much as anything else in order to make it happen like yeah the two interceptions they're what they are Right, he threw the picks. There's no way around it. They still could have won in spite of the two interceptions. The issue for me in watching Dak is that he's not the dude that can elevate this. Right? If things are going well around him, he can do well also. If those other things are not going well, it doesn't look like he can give it to you. And maybe that's not a permanent condition, right? Like, maybe that's something he can step out of. But there's certain levels of this in football, man, where dude just is whoever the dude happens to be. And he might not be the guy that can jump on that you can jump on his back and go. And if he's not that guy, I don't want to say that's fine, but you're going to have to build everything around that understanding. Now, I know that people think of Prescott in the context of the salary that he has, because I think when he got it, he was the highest paid quarterback in the league. But you see how that stuff all adjusts around him like as the cap gets bigger and everything else I think his salary is going to be one where it's reasonable that you can do the things around him that you need to do but the biggest thing that I would be trying to do around him is get as strong a run game as we could possibly have like look the dorks can tell you everything they want about why you shouldn't run the ball that much or why you should pass the ball at a certain percentage I don't think they're necessarily wrong about that. However, if you can run the ball, the simple fact that the option exists and that you really got to respect it, even if you don't do it all the time, you got to have it there. And for a dude like Prescott, where you're probably going to need to do a lot of your work off of play action, you got to have that. So the, the offensive line the Cowboys had is not the one that they had like four or five years ago where they were just, I mean, they, that was just road graders, man. Road graders with two or three Hall of Fame type of players where a dude like Lyle Collins was your fourth best lineman. I mean, 
they had the dudes, they had the bodies. And if teams know that you can lean on them and go get, forget about one yard when you need it. Know that you can go get three. That sure helps you get out of those, we need eight on third down to get to first. That seems to be the way that you got to do this with Dak. But at this point, given that this was his seventh year in the league, if he was the guy that could carry you, I feel like we know it by now. And I don't think that he's the guy that can carry you. But they lost to a team that also clearly had a quarterback that you can't ask to carry you. The difference is the 49ers know that. (laughs) Right? Like, it's set up around that. They're not acting like that dude's somebody that can carry you. And Dak is probably not going to be the guy that can carry you. Now, before I got in here uh, to do this show, I was watching Get Up. And I was watching all the doom and gloom that surrounds uh, Prescott. And... This is the part that frustrates me. Did Dak Prescott have a bad season? No. Like, there's there's no argument that he had a bad one. Go look at what happened to the Cowboys offense when they went for Cooper Rush to Dak Prescott. And it was in spite of some of the things that Prescott did, but I don't think it was in spite of him. Like, the idea of him, the notion of him at quarterback. I don't think that it was in spite of him in that way. You saw how he played in that Tampa Bay game. Like, he didn't carry them because they were beating the hell out of them boys. Didn't nobody really have to do the carry situation. But you saw he looked like that dude in the course of that game. Man, he has this bad game, and it's just, like, the ways that are watching people jump off the idea of him as, like, even a good quarterback, they don't realize it's what they doing. They don't realize it, but they doing it. They doing that thing. And I'm going to point out an example in a little bit that'll help you understand what I'm talking about. But they doing that thing. Your black ass better not come up short for the, the, nope, 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 no matter what, right? It's just the, like, hey, I think this guy's actually got it. Hell, man, they even doing it with Patrick Mahomes. And I want to get to this now so I can say all the nice things about Joe Burrow later. Fellas, I was watching on Get Up, and the question on the bottom of the screen is, is Joe Burrow the best quarterback in football? This is after a game where Joe Burrow averaged six-point-something yards in attempt. Now, look, it was snowing. He played very well. I'm not saying he played badly. I'm just saying it wasn't a game that you come off the weekend and be like, hey, I wonder if that guy's the best. A weekend where we saw, we saw Mahomes. You just saw Mahomes play. He got it done on one leg. On one goddamn leg. And y'all are out here asking me if Joe Burrow is the best. Why y'all got to be like that? That's all I'm asking. Why do you have to be like this? So at Prescott, yeah, I think it's proper and important to calibrate just how good he is. But if you're coming out of this with the conclusion that he's not good because he had a year with a lot of interceptions, quarterbacks do that. I'm telling you, go look them all up. There are a couple of exceptions, right? Like, I mean, Aaron Rodgers, obviously, is an exception um, in that case. Tom Brady, I think he may have had one of those when he was younger, but he doesn't have like the super huge interception year that jumps out. Russell Wilson, also that guy, doesn't have that. But by and large, just about every good to great quarterback has a year that comes up where you're like, damn, he should throw the ball away a lot. Like, it happens. 
And I'm just saying, I watch people hold out hope on Kirk Cousins for years and years and years, and you want to bail on Dak Prescott in a year where the team went 12-5? and five? Right? Y'all kept telling me about Tom Brady as the winner guy. If you think the quarterback wins are a stat, I don't, but you do. And Dak Prescott just got one over Tom Brady, and then that's not mattering the week after. I'm just saying, man. Just saying. We can be reasonable about the dude. I think he's a very good quarterback, but it's fair to say that he has limitations. And the Cowboys are going to have to figure out how to work around those limitations or consider the fact that maybe Kellen Moore is not the right offensive coordinator for him because what Prescott is is too good for you to give up on. You ain't getting nothing better no time soon. Minnesota stuck up there with uh, Kirk Cousins for all this time because even he's too good for you to bail on. So, hey, man, he's the guy they're going to have, and Jerry's going to have to make some decisions because he's a very, very loyal guy. But he's probably going to have to make a change. If, if Kellen Moore can't figure out how to be the guy to level this off with Prescott and figure out how to maximize him, like in a way that Dayball figured out how to maximize Josh Allen and Daniel Jones, then they got problems. Right fast, while I'm on the NFC, quickly, uh, by Eagles-Giants, I have no idea what to do with the Eagles after that game. And the reason I say that is they're so good, right? And that, that is not like the thing that makes you say, I have no idea what to do. But I didn't come out of that with any real answer about what you're getting out of Jalen Hurts for the next game that you're going to play because they beat the brakes off him so bad and hurts look good but he didn't like he didn't look excellent you know what I mean like like he didn't look spectacular he looked like the quarterback of a really good team and what I still don't know and what I didn't know when he had a good arm was if it all comes down to whether or not he could throw the ball what's he got what they got and there's a good chance that the 49ers can put him in that situation but what I did love is the Eagles ran for like 850 yards you see what I'm saying (laughs) It's okay to run the ball, guys. It really helps. Spring is the best time to add new challenges to your training, just in time for summer and warmer days. I've been in the gym a little bit trying to get my fitness in check so I can break these skinny allegations I keep getting. Spring is the best time of the year to take a new look at your fitness routine, dial it up a notch, and continue powering off. Peloton has everything you need to get you where you're going. Whether you prefer to run outdoors, row, or ride at home, or strength train at the gym, Peloton has something for you. Peloton's varying class lengths were designed with your training plan in mind. Personalize your workout. Whether you'd like to add a 10-minute core session at the end of your strength class or take a 60-minute power zone ride to increase your endurance. Peloton classes are designed to help focus on your needs and goals while challenging yourself at every level. Now you can catch up on your favorite NBA games with NBA League Pass while you push yourself to new levels of fitness. Watch your favorite games and win your workouts with NBA League Pass on Peloton and visit OnePeloton.com. Peloton all-access membership and NBA League Pass subscription required. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. All right, guys, I want to read a text to you guys that I received from my buddy uh, Jay Long in Tulsa. He says, a Josh Allen Bills loss. 
The Chiefs win despite a hurt Mahomes and open a season two game theory. Best weekend in Nick Wright's life. Oh, not to mention a LeBron win over the Grizz. And of course, the best part about it was when he sent that to me, I was sitting next to Nick. And we were just talking about that very set of points. It couldn't have possibly, possibly been a better weekend for my buddy Nick. Um, Cincinnati Buffalo is the game I want to talk about. Like the Chiefs game, you saw it, you know what it is. We'll see what happens. This is why I get frustrated with the ways that people look for like finding a way to bail on Prescott at any moment that shows any sign of trouble. Okay. In 2020, Josh Allen had a breakout year and they went to the AFC Championship game. The following season, Josh Allen did not have nearly as strong a regular season. But they had that incredible game against the Chiefs, but they lost in the division round on the road. This year, they lost in the division round at home, and Josh Allen did not play especially well in the game. Okay? We saw in the course of this season, I don't know if I want to say regression from him, but what Brian Dabo seems to be good at, and the Daniel Jones season kind of helps to solidify this with Josh Allen, he gets those dudes to stop making mistakes, right? Daniel Jones and Dan, you are a residence Giants fan. He was giving the ball away like uh, three times every two games those first two years, right? The fumbles were out of control, Bo. That was the thing. He was a turnover machine, but career lows this year. Right, right, right. Dayball shows up. We see the turnovers go down. Um, now with Allen, I've been saying, and it remains, he spent a lot of time trying to, give give the ball away to people right but he didn't in the day bowl in the day bowl run with him we saw a lot more of like the reckless josh allen with ken dorsey running the offense he does not look as good as he did two years ago and remember and i said this about two years ago i was never gonna hold him hold it against him if he never put up stats like those again because those stats were just so out of this world it would never happen again funny though i said that same thing about mahomes about his early year that he came out this year throwing to me, Parker, Dan, Adi, and a couple other dudes, and the numbers look remarkably similar because that dude's Jordan, all right? But you don't see people jumping up feeling like they got sold a false bill of goods on Josh Allen. Maybe it's because they managed to win, like you win a first-round game, so you can always say, hey, they won a playoff game or whatever it is, but you don't see people having that discussion about, oh, man, I don't know if you can get it done with this guy. Right. We've seen that come up so much with Lamar Jackson up until this point. And yeah, Lamar, I guess they've only won one playoff game or however the discussion goes. They also had a year where they had the best record in the conference, a year where he's the MVP, all of this stuff. Right. But the decision was made about Josh Allen. Now, this is the thing, though, I say about him. And this is very important. And this does distinguish him in a way from a dude like Dak Prescott. You can jump on that dude's back. Right. Like we've seen that. That is just like, hey, Josh, we kind of need you to bring it all home. He can do that, right? Like, he is in a tier above Prescott for that reason. But you can jump on Lamar Jackson's back, too. Right? The skepticism for Allen after he did the prove him wrong thing to people like me, 
People decided they were never going to do that, but that's what you get when you win a Super Bowl. We ain't even talking about getting to a Super Bowl yet, right? And look, a lot of things happened around Buffalo. The Von Miller injury, obviously, was a big deal. Um, Again, DeMar Hamlin not playing football matters to the football part of it. And then his backup got hurt, and they had another safety who had gotten hurt in the course of the year. Like, they were down in a lot of ways. But this was a game where they kind of needed to jump on Josh Allen's back, and they didn't do it. Like, the defense couldn't stop, couldn't stop a nosebleed, and they did not jump on his back. He could not take that in that game. Now, this also gets to one of my pet topics that I've talked about many times, which is building these teams around throwing it all the time when you play in a snow globe, right? Like, I want to say they, they had something like 12 carries from running backs in that game, and that's putting, that's putting too much weight. On the, on the shoulders of your quarterback, right? Especially under those circumstances. Maybe they're just way worse at run blocking than it looks like when I see those dudes. But I think that's all fair to say. But if you doing this like you do it, then you start looking at Josh Allen like, oh, guys, I don't know. We thought we had something a couple of years ago. Like they beat that mediocre-ass uh, New England team last year in the first round. They beat... Uh, that decimated Dolphins team and almost lost in the first round this year. Like they've come up short of expectations in a way that often falls on the quarterback or it falls on the coach. It ain't going to nobody with Buffalo. It just happened. Now on the other side, Hey man, Cincinnati had one of those. We not going to lose games. Like, we made that decision when we showed up that we're not going to lose. And I just cannot believe that the Cincinnati Bengals are capable of such a thing. I wouldn't care if the Cincinnati Bengals had the Avengers. I would never think that they were capable of doing such a thing because I've been living too long to ever believe. Like, maybe that's the team I should have picked. Right? Maybe I could. Maybe that's it. Because, look, you know me. I am all about my man, Joey. Joey is all right with me. How long is your championship window? As long as I'm here. And it made sense. It added up. Uh, Jamar Chase, always open. They were out there moving furniture against the Bills. And that's even, like, Joe Mixon got that 100 yards. And that's with Cincinnati's offensive line being banged up and everything else. That defense all over the place. Like, hey, 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 they getting it done. But we, we don't have to overreact about my man Joey. I've seen Joey have better games. Like, what Joey is becoming, though, for people as winner guy. And I say that because even if you go back and look at the numbers in that AFC championship game last year, Joey wasn't lighting it up in that way, but they were getting it done. And there's a value in that. Don't get me wrong. It's just not, is he the best quarterback in the NFL stuff? That's, we don't have to do that. I promise we don't have to do that. But they got them three straight wins against Kansas City. Mahomes going to be out there off the high ankle sprain. But so is Joe Burrow. Like, he got through it and he kept playing in that game. But if you saw that play, it wasn't nearly as significant looking as the uh, Mahomes high ankle sprain. But Joe Burrow took one of them shots where his leg bent the exact same direction. I don't think that dude's going to be out here at 100% in the game. So we're going to see. My thing on this is I'm still 
I keep asking the people who know football better than me. Like, so is Zach Taylor a good coach? And none of them will say yes. They still won't. Not a single one of them will say yes. I don't know. The dudes keep winning, right? Like, I don't feel like I'm in the position right now to say that he's not. But I bet Andy Reid be mad as hell when he go out there losing to Zach Taylor three times in a row. Like, that man's got an ego, right? He's got to be fierce. Like, I'll never forget. It was the 2010 season. And I don't know how many of you guys are Florida football fans. But Florida played a game against LSU. And if you remember the 2010 LSU season, it was the strangest season of all time. That was that year where they beat Tennessee that one time because Tennessee had like 14 people on the field in one of the last plays and they got called for a penalty because you can't have 14 people on the field. And then LSU stumbled into it and won. They won a game to start the year against North Carolina where North Carolina dropped like two or three touchdown passes at the end in a game where half the team was suspended because that was when everything went crazy for North Carolina. But they had this game against Florida where it was all the crazy stuff and Les Miles was doing like the crazy Les Miles fourth downs and they called a fake field goal where the kicker like threw the ball over his the holder threw it over his head to the kicker and they asked Urban Meyer about after the game about Les Miles and he couldn't even take the question he was just like no 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 let's just no let's talk about something else let's just, let's talk about something else that's got to be how Andy Reid feels under these circumstances like that's that that's all I got. That's got to be the way that he feels that he seems to keep on losing these games to Zach Taylor at home, on the road, in Africa, all of them, man. Parker looking at me funny. It's an all time great Michael Beasley quote when he was at Kansas State. Kansas State had lost at home to Kansas like twenty years in a row. And they asked Michael Beasley about beating Kansas at home. He said, We'll beat him at home. We'll beat him on the road. We'll beat him in Africa. No, I don't know why he said that either. I don't know if they have like, if, if they got the Motherland series signed up so everybody from Kansas could go back to their roots. And yes, Kansas, Africa is your roots too. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. We know you can't be on top of all the news and information of the day. No need for the social media feeds. We got you now, if you haven't heard. All right, Paul, our first story this week is, I guess we'll call it artificial intelligence related. Uh My name's Kari Johnson, and I'm a senior writer at Wired, covering artificial intelligence and its impact on business and society. This is a story about two lawsuits currently working their way through federal courts in Connecticut and Massachusetts. They allege that algorithms created by SafeRent violated the Fair Housing Act a law that protects people of different race, religion, national origin, and other characteristics from discrimination. 
In one case, Mikhail Arroyo wanted to move in with his mom, but his past was labeled disqualifying by a safe-rent algorithm called CrimSafe, despite the fact that he hasn't been convicted of a crime and, due to an accident, is unable to speak or walk. In the other case, information drawn from a credit report was used to assign rental applicants a score, a score that was used to deny the applications of two black women living in Massachusetts, though a credit score is not a complete financial history. Both complaints allege discrimination on the basis of race and other factors. So earlier this month, the Department of Justice filed a statement supporting arguments that companies like SafeRent can violate the Fair Housing Act. In a statement, DOJ Civil Rights Division leader Kristen Clark said, quote, Housing providers and tenant screening companies that use algorithms and data to screen tenants are not absolved from liability when their practices disproportionately deny people of color access to fair housing opportunities, unquote. A lawyer for SafeRent said in response that, quote, SafeRent does not decide whether to approve anybody's application for housing, unquote. SafeRent has argued in court they don't bear responsibility for decisions that are ultimately made by landlords. The DOJ disagrees, but there's no final verdict yet in either of these cases. The same day that federal prosecutors filed the brief in the SafeRent case, the DOJ also announced terms of a settlement agreement with Facebook parent company Meta following allegations of Fair Housing Act violations. This all signals the federal government seems willing to enforce existing law to protect people's rights in the age of AI. However, since no law requires disclosure when an automated system makes an important decision, these kinds of algorithms continue to shape people's lives without their knowledge. The thing that gets me about this is always the game on race, and now it becomes even trickier. It ain't never nobody's fault. Right? It's just the algorithm. It's just this. It just worked. It all now is just going to work out that way. And that's what you're going to see, and I'm glad to see somebody's trying to get on top of this. But I'm just saying, I get a little worried. Damn Supreme Court uh, is... They don't want to blame people, let alone the ones and zeros. <laughs> Guys, it's all so scary. I promise you, it really, really, really is. And seeing the thing about the algorithm with this, though, to be fair, I would understand why somebody would find it appropriate to hand this off to the algorithm because people have demonstrated that they can't be trusted. Problem is, people got to program the algorithm, right? Like the people who do this stuff, they don't do it. All right, here's the best way to put it. If you ask these actual racist folks, they're not going to tell you they hate these people because they are black or whatever it is. They're going to tell you they hate people who are, insert all these terms, and then say this black person happens to fit that characteristic, as do all the other black people too. It, it just works out that way, right? Like, they believe. Whether they would say it out loud or not, they believe that there's something like fundamental and innate about us that makes us lesser in whatever the way happens to be for that particular discussion, right? So if you believe that that's fundamentally in people, then your algorithm is going to reflect that. Because if you believe that, you would be irresponsible not to add this because to you, it is a significant data point, right? But then it's going to be nobody's fault. Like, like that's just, that's... the. Yeah, man, watch out. These machines going to be running us, and it ain't going to be a good thing. Trust me.
All right, this next story is about ideas. For many people, the shower is not just a place to get clean, but also get creative. They have shower thoughts, ideas that pop up in their minds as they are sudsing up. Some psychologists call this the shower effect, which finds that doing these everyday activities like showering or taking walks can actually give people their most creative ideas even away from the desk. One study asked physicists and writers to record their most creative ideas each day and where they had it. And it turned out 20% of their best ideas came just going about their day doing showers or chores, which is pretty amazing because how many other things can you do just as well in the shower as at your desk? A lot of these ideas that they came up with outside of work were more likely to be what's called aha moments, eureka moments, that allowed them to get past some creative block or obstacle they had before. The shower effect is the product of what psychologists call mind wandering, where your thoughts are anywhere but the task at hand. Turns out there's a sweet spot. If the activity you're doing is moderately engaging versus boring, that seems to help with creative thoughts because moderately engaging activities like taking a shower or walking in the park gives your mind something to nosh on, some mental nourishment that might help it get unstuck. If the activity is too boring, you might get way off task, but if it's too engaging, you might not have any mental capacity to think about the ideas percolating in the back of your head. So if you want to take advantage of the shower effect for your own thinking, for your own creativity, think about giving yourself some breaks. Take that shower, take a walk, do something else that not only relieves stress, which is good for your thinking, but also gets you a different state of mind. Having this change in environment can help you get these novel insights by giving your brain something new to stimulate it. The shower effect doesn't have to take place in the shower. So where does it take place for you? Smoking weed. Like, I was actually a little curious as I was hearing that, and he was talking about how that whole thing goes on. I was like, wow, you thought about smoking weed? Like, not a lot of weed, just a little, you know, a little blue dream action. Like, have, have, you, have, you, have you considered, you, you can do that and then take a shower. It seems to have a very, very similar effect from what I hear. Oh, he put that one on a tee for you, Bo. All right, our last <laughs> story, we, we don't have any audio for this one, so I summarize it myself. Kaylee Wong is a technology reporter for the New York Times. She has a story up about how university professors, department chairs, and administrators are starting to overhaul classrooms in response to generative artificial intelligence like ChatGPT, which was released in November by the artificial intelligence lab OpenAI. The chatbot generates eerily articulate and nuanced text in response to short prompts with people using it to write love letters, poetry, fan fiction, and their schoolwork. Some professors are redesigning their courses entirely, making changes that include more oral exams, group work, and handwritten assignments in lieu of typed ones. Other universities are trying to draw boundaries for AI by drafting revisions to their academic integrity policies so their plagiarism definitions include generative AI. More than 6,000 teachers from Harvard, Yale, and others have signed up to use GPT-0, a program that promises to quickly detect AI-generated text according to Edward Tien, its creator and a senior at Princeton University. But AI isn't going away anytime soon. OpenAI is expected to release another tool, GPT-4, which is better at generating text. Google has built Lambda, a rival chatbot, and Microsoft is discussing a $10 billion investment in OpenAI. Other Silicon Valley startups like Stability AI and Character AI are also working on generative AI tools. 
Look, man, I know I sound like an old man here. I'm going to sound like an old man. And I honestly don't know how many, like, young people uh, patronize this program. I don't, right? But when you cheat, the only person who loses is you. Like, I'm, I'm just letting you know, like... I talk a lot on this show about like the crumbling faith in institutions, but like there's a value to learning something. The point of this stuff is not simply for you to achieve or to get some grade or to check some box. It's not it, right? There's a purpose to this stuff. You're supposed to actually learn something. And I actually empathize on this point because I tell people all the time, I didn't read any of the books that they told us to read in middle school and high school through 11th grade. I didn't read any of them. And the reason I didn't was I thought that all you wanted us to do was read it so we could tell you back some like rote memorization because the quizzes or whatever would always just be that. And so I saw no point. I was like, I know how to read. Like, why, why are we testing whether or not I can read? And I didn't understand that there was like a purpose in like why you read this book, why you read that book, what it points out, what it's getting you to, or whatever it is. And I did myself like a really grave disservice on that. And so what I would do was cram and read in a book or whatever to try to get an answer or some like lightweight level of academic impropriety. It didn't matter because to me it was just like you just want to see if I memorize this. There's no point. Like it doesn't. There's nothing to it. But there is a point to this stuff. Like, I think I told you, I read an article that said that there was a question as to whether or not they're going to keep teaching kids how to write. And I don't mean write, like, handwrite. I mean, like, the, the concept and the notion of writing because they'll just be able to use these bots. And I'm like, we're going to be the dumbest people in the world if we do that. Like, no, it can't, it can't be that. And so I'm glad the professors are coming up with stuff, but I hope the youngsters understand they're not simply trying to make your life hard. There's a purpose to this. Like, by and large, man, college professors, when you think about how much money they don't make, Yo, man, they in this for y'all, right? They in this to help y'all get better and to learn some things. And trying to get out of learning the things is ultimately not going to help you. Forgive me if I sound old, but I better also sound right. Hey, this is Bomani. You have reached the right time voicemail. Say whatever you want. Get creative with it. But this is your place to talk back to the show. So talk back. Peace. All right, voicemail topic this week is tell us about that time you saw somebody quit in the middle of their shift. Bo, have you ever witnessed such a thing in your life? I sure have. And the problem is I only witnessed it when I was the eighth person in line at the Burger King on Northside Drive and Fair Street in Atlanta. And for those of you who know that intersection, you can imagine all the circumstances that may have arisen to uh, make someone walk out on the middle of their shift. Yes, just walked out, just, just bowed, didn't say another word, just stepped out. And I was just like, I don't think we're getting whoppers today, buddy. Who wants to roll the Popeyes? I think that story leaves a lot to be desired, and I'm not sure if our listeners are going to live up to the task, but let's give it a try. I used to do a concrete field testing, so I would go to a construction site where there was concrete being put down and test every five trucks. Usually you have a pretty clear entrance and exit, for the kind of procession of trucks that you get going, and I just stand near where they're unloading with the foreman, 
for this job, it was a really big new development, a million square feet, all kinds of uh, businesses and offices. And it was all on the other side from the main part of the city over a bridge over the interstate. So trucks were coming in. Because it was brand new, you had all these building pads that were nothing but like five to ten feet of basically sandbox sand, really soft yellow sand. One truck driver decides to take a different route than all the other drivers, the shortest route, over one of those building pads. Keep in mind, a loaded concrete truck weighs like 30-plus tons. The foreman immediately sees what he's trying to do, tries to get him on the radio, tries yelling at him, waving at him, and this dude's like 100, 150 yards away, so tons of people screaming at him. Driver uh, doesn't catch any of this, I guess. He cuts across the building pad, makes it about 15 feet, and then his truck sunk three or four feet into this sand. So by this point, he's surrounded by people yelling at him. He's yelling back. I think everybody's about to fight. Uh, the truck driver probably would have just been fired, but he quit on the spot and just walked away, <laughs> left the truck there for everybody else to deal with, and walks. You know, we're in the middle of the development. He probably had to walk 45 minutes to get to somewhere somebody could pick him up. And this is while everybody at the job site is just kind of watching him leave walking down the road in his hard hat. Hey, man, sometimes you got to know when to cut bait, man. <laughs> you looked around. There's nothing I could do to improve the situation. Nothing the situation could do to improve me. And I'm never going to talk to any of these people ever again. I think that was the big one right there. I'm never going to see these people ever again. Because when you think about it, typically when you quit a job, you don't ever see those people again. Like, it's different for me because I got a job where everybody on Twitter and everybody know everybody on Twitter. And so we do a lot more, like, folding up exchanging and everything else and the likes. But I imagine you out here working one of them dirty fingernail jobs, which y'all got to hang out for. You just chug the deuce. All right, this next one's a little more morbid. So I'm originally from Memphis, but I live in Little Rock, Arkansas. And my sister, she just graduated from college, didn't want to go back to live with our mom. So I let her come live with me, you know, just, you know, so she can get on her feet. I was a paramedic, and I got her a job at the hospital I worked at a patient care tech along the lines of a CNA. So we both worked overnight, 7 p.m. to 7 a.m. And mind you, my sister, she's, you know, young, black, never done anything in the healthcare field. So things were going good for about a couple months. And then she had reached her breaking point. So she worked in that CCU unit. I guess some patient came in that was, you know, was at the end of the line, and they asked her to clean the corpse to get ready for the family. Bo, she took her lunch break and never came back. <laughs> Mind you, I got her the job. And also, this was overnight. So when she took her lunch break, it was maybe like 1 or 2 a.m. So they called me looking for her like, hey, have you seen your sister? She went to lunch and never came back. We don't know if she's okay. We don't know if anything happened. And I'm like, uh, I don't know. I haven't talked to her. Mind you, she is sitting right in front of me on the couch. She said they asked her to clean that corpse, and she said, I am out. <laughs> clean the corpse. Guys, clean the corpse. 
I don't think that her response was inappropriate. What about you? Clean the corpse. Nah, nah. You got to ask more questions when you take a job. You and Ed Reed both. Y'all need, y'all need to ask a couple more things before you get in there. Some of us could have told you. Like, hey, man, they be, uh, they be cleaning corpses in there. Nicely done sliding that one in there. All right, last one. Here we go. This story comes from the early 90s in wine country, northern California. Uh, me and my family are invited to a wedding of uh, our extended family, not my people, but her people's people, for a couple that was uh, about a year into a whirlwind romance. He was from overseas. And so the wedding gets kicked off. Ceremony's great. Go to the reception, having some charcuterie off the charcuterie board. Somebody put a habanero pepper on there instead of a uh, bell pepper. I should have known right then that something was off. Get through the food, get through the festivities. Dancing commences, and there's a cougar on the prowl. Probably, you know, approaching 50, but a nice-looking lady. And all of a sudden, one of the busboys, one of the wait staff, he's out there on the floor dancing with her in the middle of everything. I noticed his manager's looking at him. The other people who are working the wedding, they're looking at him. They're watching this go down, but he's having a hell of a time. Goes on probably like 10, 15 minutes, and eventually he just takes off his serving apron, takes the lady by the hand, and they both go out the door. And that was it quit right on the spot later on that evening though the bride and groom ended up getting to a fight and the groom takes off never to be seen again so i guess it's a twofer when it comes to the quitting wow (laughs) took off the 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 quitting in the middle of a shift stories are all better when it involves taking off a uniform or a piece of gear apron the paper hat, you know what I'm saying? Whatever, the mask, the hairnet, whatever it is. When you when you leave all evidence that you ever worked there before, that's the best kind. But hey, ladies and gentlemen, thanks so much for joining us here on The Right Time. We do this three times a week. Dan Stanzik and Parker Owens handling things behind the scenes. Thank you, gentlemen. Also, thank you to our If You Haven't Heard contributors. Thanks to Kari Johnson of Wired. Check out his story about algorithms allegedly penalizing black renters at Wired.com. Thanks to Richard Seema of the Washington Post. Check out his story about why we get our best ideas in the shower at WashingtonPost.com. Remember, follow the right time. Rate us, review us, give us five stars. You only give us four stars. I'm inclined to believe you are a hater. And we'll talk to you guys in a couple of days. Take it easy. Thanks for checking out The Right Time with Bomani Jones Podcast. You can listen or follow on the ESPN app or wherever you listen to podcasts. The Right Time with Bomani Jones.